Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. May this service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand, Almighty God. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 10 through 18. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I command to you, and that you remember your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. This place of scripture talks about the legal law of releasing the blessing, which, according to the testator, is called to, to get rid of curse. These are two fates and two inheritance that are contained in two programs, which we received on two genetic levels from different vessels of our origin. And whichever program we select and reaffirm and affirm in our life, this kind of inheritance we shall inherit. Ignorance regarding curse and blessing became the reason for much of the calamity in the lives of the people of God. The bl blessing is in this, that in fact God blesses one person and then through this one person, his blessing pours out from one generation that com comes from this person and to another. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. When the one that curses, or when God curses, then He curses in one. He curses in one person. This also spreads out from generation to generation. If, of course, one does not die to this nation in order to belong to another kind, another heritage. In our essence, there are two genetic inheritance and two heritages. One is in the new man. The other is in the old man. And now it will depend on us what kind of heritage of the genetic program that we that we give access to. The program of blessing or the program of curse. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Go out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, pay attention here, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through one person, or from the relation to, to, toward one person will spread throughout the whole earth blessing and curse from one person. All that God does, He does through one person. He had never done through two or three or a group of people. He always needed one person. I sought among them a people in order to place them at the gap. He didn't look for a group of people. He looked for one person. 
Because this is the principle of God, one head and one body, so that through one head, he can then produce this, this, this blessing of this curse among the generations or heritages. Uh, the heritage of, of curses also revealed to people prosperity. People think people say that uh, the heritage of prosperity is through Jesus Christ and Abraham and it's the source of their of their of their wellness. And this is correct. However, these are the strategies of emissaries and mammon to, to make or to place a focus on what belongs to us through right of our inheritance, not sanctifying the vessel and the, the power of the responsibility for accepting the inheritance that belongs us belongs to us. As a result, we received many material we have come from this, many material Christians. The main goal of biblical prosperity is to spread of a biblical the main goal of biblical success is to spread and reaffirm the kingdom of God to release the blessing it's necessary to give this inheritance a definition as well as answer the question what are we referring to regarding the ability to gain it for the kingdom of heaven is not eating nor drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit Romans 14 17 this is what the kingdom of God is. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These three virtues are supernatural, and you will not find its definition in any dictionaries of the world. An inheritance is that which after us will become someone else's. It is that which will become our descendants. An inheritance is that which after us will be the future generation. And so a question, what characteristics yield our inheritance and who are our descendants to whom we are called to pass along this inheritance? Our inheritance is the coming kingdom of God expressed in unfading riches that are pure, which are yielded as the faith of God, cooperation with which, with our faith, we are called to realize this riches. Listen, my beloved brethren, writes Apostle James, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Our descendants, to whom we are called to pass along this unfading inheritance, is in fact our new man in Christ Jesus, and second, it is our soul and our body. Third, it is our household, or rather those fears, for which we are called to carry responsibility before God. From this it follows that in order to release 
blessing. It is necessary through Christ Jesus to have a partaking to the heritage of fathers with whom God had made his covenant to gain these riches. Second, it is necessary to invest ourselves as well as that which God has blessed us with into the future or into the coming kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, writes Jesus to his disciples. This is written in John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. In a covenant with God, there exists the role of God in relation to man as well as the role of man in relation to God. This is an agreement. This is an oath that is bound by the blood from both sides, the death of both sides. God's role is the obligation of God to establish for a person uh, the laws as well as his power, as use, use of his power through which a person can can fulfill these laws. But walking through the death of Jesus Christ, he can, in the resurrection of Christ, gain power in order to fulfill this law. And the role of a person is the obligation of a person to fulfill God's established covenant that is comprised of decrees, laws, and statutes. When God had cursed the earth and the curse had was enacted until one person stopped it by making a covenant with God. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night, shall not cease. The initial law or covenant was, and today, is in the fact that God is unchanging in his word. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. To tend is to cultivate, to plant, to produce something. So, to cultivate the earth in the garden is to cultivate the land to produce fruit. This means to have something that could be cultivated, to have something that could that could work for itself, to have something that could bring for us an income and to keep and to not waste it. The land or the soil that we are called to tend to and forced to work in accordance with God's established covenant is the soil of our heart. This is the Eden, our personal Eden, in which God meets with us and we meet with God. Sowing into this soil is the seed of the faith of God expressed in the statutes of God. The result of the fruit from growing this kind of seed, the result of this is us reaping eternal life and all that this life has. To expand the inheritance of eternal life could be done one way, by honoring God in order to bless him out of the fruit of those seeds which we had received from him. When you have eaten in our fold, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you.
Of course, considering the fact that the people of Israel, along with all of their statutes and decrees, it was an image. It was an image of the New Testament service in the Temple of God, which is the holy body of a person. And we must understand that God cares to make the soil of our heart good. When a person is born again, you will ask, is his soil not good? When he is born again, his soil is neutral. His soul remains the same, his body remains the same. In the soul, there are those des desires that remain. It's just a spirit that's transformed, but he is in an infant state. Therefore, the first thing that a person begins to do, he begins to serve God with his soul. He can't serve with the spirit. His spirit is still an infant. And because God does everything through the soul, the spirit cannot manifest itself. He needs the soul and body for this. The soul is necessary in its rational abilities and the members of the body through which the rational abilities will be manifested. And therefore, God anoints our mind. He has not yet gone through the death of the Lord Jesus and the anointed mind acts just like Saul acted. The anointed man of God is not a warrior of prayer. He is not always a warrior of prayer, but a warrior of prayer is always anointed man of God. Therefore, when our new man matures in the face of David, our rational thinking, then God anoints David, and then in one body, in one kingdom, there begin to live two kings that resist one another, that do not agree with one another. But this is enough for God. For God is necessary for one king to submit to another and for there to only be one king so that he could remain on the throne, but so that he could pass along all the powers to the other king, just as Pharaoh had done. He had said, I will govern the throne, but I give all to you to control the kingdom, you will do, he said to Joseph. Same thing here. And we know that this had happened when at the table of David sat the grandson of Saul, Absalom, when he was lame. And he looked at David, what he would say. He revered before him. This talks about the fact that our mind must be at the service of our spirit because in our spirit is the mind of Christ and when we have grown then this must happen only then our soil will become good will be made good until our king rational king has not gone through death has not died in the death of the Lord Jesus he cannot do this. All that he does, he does from the soul. And all that is done from the soul that is not crucified, that has not gone through death, it challenges God. Because he accepts only that which is circumcised. The soul must be circumcised with the death of the Lord Jesus in order to rise up in a new form in resurrection. Therefore, the first commandment which God had established in Eden is to not eat of this. This is my hell. This is not the tree of devil. And it's not he who planted it. 
as we had talked about. For some, this might sound strange if it's not circumcised, but the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge of evil, of good and evil, tree of life, God had planted along with Adam. Adam had participated in this. All of this was planted in our heart because all of the trees of the Garden are the promises of God and the commandments of God. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil is hallowed unto God, which is in our control but does not belong to us. All that we earn, a tenth of it, is in our control but does not belong to us. You will say, well, how can God plant it along with Adam and its ruin? God planted the Garden of Eden. So when scripture says, talks about certain things, it always talks about the head, but it doesn't talk about the one who stands behind this head. Abraham had given birth to Isaac, Isaac had given birth to Jacob. Jacob had given birth to 12 patriarchs, and we know that behind Abraham, behind Isaac, and behind Jacob stood their, their wives. David had fought thousands and tens of thousands, and we know that behind Saul and David stood thousands of people. Why are they not mentioned? Because the name of the head will always stand first. The name of the captain, the leader. And you will ask, how could God plant along with Adam? I will remind you the place of scripture. And the Lord God said, let us create man in his image and his likeness, and let him rule over the earth. With these words, God had placed a, a limit or a boundary for himself that he cannot do anything on the earth after the creation of man. Only with the agreement of man can he do something, because he gives a person a mandate and the right of sovereignty on earth, just as he had given that, just as he has in heaven, just as we in heaven he has on the earth. Now, in order for God to do something on earth, he needs man who is in his image and likeness, with whom he is going to do something or through whom he will do something. All of the animals, all of the nature already on earth was planted before Adam. The land had flourished in gardens, different trees, the beasts had spread out, the fish in the sea, and then God creates man. And after the creation of man, he plants the garden. This talks about how God couldn't do this on his own. He couldn't um, violate his own words because then he would violate the sovereign rights of Adam to whom he entrusted, to whom he had given. And violating sovereign rights that he has given, he would violate his own rights, his word, which he had magnified above all his name. He had made himself dependent and made himself a servant of this word, and he is vigilant in order for it to be fulfilled. Therefore, we must understand the essence of the heritage of blessing and heritage of curse which depends on our relationship to Abraham. We are children of Abraham through Christ Jesus because Abraham is the father of many nations. The faith of Abraham and when we have this faith that cooperates with the faith of God then we can inherit a blessing and stop the curse. We're going to honor God with tithes and offerings so that we can release the blessing 
of heritage through Christ Jesus, which gives us access to Abraham, so that through Christ Jesus we can receive the inheritance of Abraham. Let us stand and sing. And we will honor God tithes and offerings by searching for his countenance, by allowing God to give us material blessings just as he sees fit in order to not destroy us. Because if he gives a little bit more of this blessing, many of us are made servants of Mammon. They will begin to serve this blessing. And the blessing is given in order to serve us and not we serve it. Therefore, let us sing. And I will remind you that each time when Israel had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were called to, according to the words of Moses, which he had received as a revelation from God, to proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, drinking from the fruit of the same olive tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand, a symbol of your righteous act, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tides from my home and brought them into your home so that your home may have peace, may have food. I did not give impurely, I did not give in sorrow, and I did not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that contains the depth of God's wisdom and vision that the Holy Spirit continues to reveal to us as we get closer to rapture. Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so the sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We need, just as our Heavenly Father, commands his son to rise above or over the evil and good and sends rain over the just and unjust, we need to command our son to rise over the evil and good and send our rain over the just and unjust. We've talked about this more than once, that what is our son and what is our rain. 
linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebekah to Isaac and have been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb. Rebekah presented these signs in the virtues of the Lily of the Valleys upon which we are called to look with the eyes of our heart or with the eyes of faith, so we may form ourselves into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. And for this reason, Rebecca left her nation, her house, and her former life, so she can follow Eleazar to her groom Isaac. Eleazar in scripture symbolizes the Holy Spirit that came down upon the disciples of the Lord in the day of the celebration of the Pentecost to <coughs> lead this small flock to the perfection that is in Jesus Christ. He came down upon them as their Lord and not as their guest. That came as he would came to Bethuel and Laban, who did receive him as a dear guest, but Rebecca received him not as a guest, but as her lord. He became the head of the house where she lived later. We note that in our situation, celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is accepting the Holy Spirit into your heart, not as an honored guest, but as the Lord of your life, which will allow us to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit upon the conditions outlined in Scripture, so that we may be led by the Holy Spirit, or have evidence that we have sonhood, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God, Romans 8.14. The Holy Spirit will never bind anyone. Each one has to bind himself to the Holy Spirit, and this is a great privilege. This is the opportunity to become one with him, to unite with him into one. This is the role of the person and not the role of the Holy Spirit. And so a person not taught how to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of his life will never be able to bind himself to the Holy Spirit and understandably will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. In result, this person will lose his sonhood, that is, he will lose his salvation, because it is written, only those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Yes, we receive our salvation as a guarantee, but if we will not invest this guarantee, we will lose our salvation. To invest our, our guarantee is to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit, receive Him as the Lord of our life, and this means to correctly celebrate the Feast of the Pentecost. We will talk about the Feast of the Pentecost and have been talking about it, that this is a symbol, this is where the conditions lie of how to receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord and Master of our life. We more than once noted that we can speak in tongues and not have insufficiency in any gift and at the same time remain a person of the flesh, not having the Spirit, and will resist all that comes from the Holy Spirit of God and consider as foolishness. This is what Apostle Paul wrote about to the church that was in Corinth. You have you don't have insufficiency in any gift, but you are of the flesh and do not have the Spirit, and I can't speak with you as people of the Spirit. Therefore, speaking in tongues and practicing spiritual gifts is a spiritual experience, but it is not called to make us spiritual or to change our character into the character of Christ, the character we inherited from the sinful conduct and life of our fathers. This is why the teaching of the cross is given its purpose is to separate us from our nation, from our house, and from our life in the flesh. And we need to willingly do
do this. The cross of Christ will not do this for us. We, the cross of Christ is only the principles that are given to us as God's gift, as God's tools. And we need to want them. With all this, we note that specifically during the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we receive the unique and destiny-affecting ability to either receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord of our life, to then receive from Him and in Him strength to perform a complete and total separation from our nation, from our house, and from our corrupt desires, to then, in the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, bear to God the fruits of righteousness, that is, be led by, by leading a godly life that carries the power of the resurrection of Christ. Or we can receive the Holy Spirit in the form of a dear guest and continue to remain in the dependence of our nation, in the dependence of our house and our corrupt desires, which many Christian people have done. Hundreds and millions have received the Holy Spirit as their guest and till this day sing, Holy Spirit, you are a guest from heaven. And till this day, at any kind of gathering, they invite him as a guest. Let us pray, brothers and sisters, before the service. Let us invite the Holy Spirit to this place. And then, as I often say, when they leave, they forget that they invited him and they leave him then alone where they were. It's good at least that, the, that it's in the house of prayer, but when they do this outside of the church, they uh, uh, perform these so-called gatherings and they... <clears throat> And so to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, we came to the conclusion that looking at the conditions of celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost that is contained in the book of Leviticus 23, 15 through 21, we need to fulfill seven requirements presented in the celebration of the Feast of the Pentecost to receive Him as the Lord and Master of our life. This is to we, that needing to prepare from two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour two wave loaves. Together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary to offer seven lambs of the first year. And after that, it is necessary to offer one young bull and two rams. After that, it is necessary to bring the grain offering and the drink offering. And after that, it is necessary to sacrifice one kid of the goats from the goat herd as an offering for sin and two male lambs of the first year as a peace offering. Then we need to wave all these things before the Lord together with the wave breads and the two lambs. And in a particular format, we had studied all of these in the previous services and have been studying the seventh offering to be brought at the time of the Holy Convocation, these offerings, and at this time no customary work was to be done. We looked at six definitions that are contained in six uh, examples of celebrating or the Feast of the Pentecost. And so the Holy Convocation where no customary work or when no customary work was to be done. And so we have already looked at six of those meanings and have been studying the seventh. Not to do any customary work on the Sabbath is not to make any attempt to justify yourself before God with your own personal righteousness that is of the law, but with the one that is through faith in Christ. 
and we and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection Philippians 3 9 through 11 second not to do any customary work on the Sabbath is to hallow your dedication before God upon practice this means to avoid and not have contact with those people that call themselves worshippers of God but are not really so 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, the doctrine which accords with godliness is the teaching of Jesus Christ. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, rivalring, evil, and suspicions. Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. We came to, we can see that this requirement of sanctification itself with the dedication feast to God when honoring the holy convocation speaks of the selective love of God towards man where from the multitude of the call to salvation only the chosen remainder is guaranteed salvation. That is, only those who out of the, their love for God receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of their life, fulfilling the essence of the requirement, receiving His justification freely by grace and hallowing His dedication for God. The essence of the selective love of God towards man is confirmed by the specific and on contradictory words of Scripture, people, by their behavior towards God and His nation, separate themselves into two groups, vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy. What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy? And so he uh, kept them so they not see salvation, that they may not know his salvation, because they were given the time, they did not use it, and now he's just keeping them for the time of, of wrath, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, as he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people and and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah also cried out concerning Israel. Though the numbers of the children of Israel be as the sands of the sea, the remnant will be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. Romans 9, 22-28 Previously we noted that during the Holy Convocation was the time when it was necessary to bring two new wave loaves with the Pura and various offerings. This manifests our belonging to the sovereign boundaries of the Kingdom of Heaven, identified as the Body of Christ. Identifying the essence of the requirements of belonging to the Holy Convocation, which is the Body of Jesus Christ, or the Bride of the Lamb, we see a unity of specific requirements that are reflected and poured out onto many places of Scripture, and specifically in the book of Apostle Paul to the Romans. This place has become the subject of our specific study. Romans 12, 3 and lower. We decided to study the requirements of being a part of the Holy Convocation. The requirements that are listed were poured out actually all over Scripture, but we had decided to study them within the book of Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 3 through 21. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
If we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, that means we do not have a part of the to the holy convocation. To be a part of the holy convocation, we need to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy let us prophesy in proportion of our faith or ministering let us use it in our ministering he who teaches in teaching he who extorts in exhortation he who, gi who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence he who shows mercy with cheerfulness let love be without hypocrisy abhor what is evil cling to what is good be kind kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit serving the Lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, how many requirements, fulfilling them, we will have evidence that we are part of the Holy Convocation and will receive the right to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our own life. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. And we are talking about continual prayer, as we listed that was one of them. We're studying this on Friday, Fridays. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of the of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We note that in this sufficiently large place of Scripture, we see the order of honoring the Holy Convocation in the requirements, making us a part of honoring the Holy Convocation, which is the body of Christ. Fulfilling these requirements, we receive the ability to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in turn, receives the ability to become the Lord and Master of our life. Fulfilling the requirements are signs which are evidence that we have the fruits of resurrection with which we are to clothe ourselves so we can be in accordance to the requirements of perfection, that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. With this, we will remember that these requirements, one next to the other, are presented in a fascinating balance and confirm the truthfulness of one the other. Therefore, either we have a balance of all the characteristics or we don't have them and deceive ourselves. Not honoring or not fulfilling these requirements will not allow the Holy Spirit to become the Lord and Master of our life and will result in our names being forever blotted out of the Book of Life, although it was <coughs> once written there at was written there at one one time. In the writing that we read that adds or members us to God's chosen remainder, we paid attention to the specific specifics of the absence of so-called evangelism because there it is written about the relationship we are to have with one another but it isn't written that we need to uh, strive to evangelize and so that we can get uh, gain people to salvation 
because of their because of their hard hearts to the many who are called to salvation, evangelism, evangelism is considered their panacea, that is a remedy or solution for their difficulties, or is considered by them as a guarantee of salvation. By the words of Christ, such an approach to evangelism out of the order that God has placed will lead a person to perish. To evangelize is to be a light. If you are not a light, you can go wherever you want. You can complete the and, and finish the greatest uh, colleges or universities and bring people to Christ. But what Christ will you be bringing them because you are not a light? You need to be a light. Only when a person is a light, you know, at the beginning of the service, when, when God just called me to, this, to, to the service, I had a question in my mind. I did not understand yet. I knew that all, physically all churches do evangelism, and this is usually number one. If you're not evangelizing, then why do you even exist? It was the question. And I said, Lord, how, what should I do with how can how do I need to do evangelism work because I see that that the way they're doing it is not in accordance to scripture it is done by people who are not called to do it those who send them are people who do not have the right to send them they send them with nothing and say go by faith and do this if Apostle Paul was sent with Bonavis he was uh, he, he was subsidized he was he he received what he needed, he received the means he needed to live, uh, but here people send people with nothing and tell them to evangelize. And I began to pray and say, Lord, how do I do this? How should I be here? And the Lord revealed to me that if, I, if you will be studying my word and take from it what is precious from the nothing, then I will make your words my words and then you will not need to be going to them. They themselves will come to you. If you are a light, people come to the light. I will take care of bringing my truth and my truth uh, to where it needs to go. You don't need to make yourself known and somehow, somewhere, talk about what we're doing, come to us. I myself will attract my people to you, to this light. And from this time, I understood what evangelism was about. And all of you are already doing this evangelism. <clears throat> because if you want to be a light and you come to it and you <clears throat> pay the appropriate price, you are already evangelizing. But when a person replaces event uh, uh, or consist considers it as as a priority <clears throat> here's what jesus says about this matthew 16 24 and 25 then jesus said to his disciples if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? People do not preach how to leave their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires, how to cast off this old man with his deeds, how to renew the aspect of their mind with the spirit of their mind, the mind with the mind of Christ, and how to dress themselves into their new person that has grown into the fruits of resurrection. 
We in a particular format have already looked at nine requirements that will remind us of the wording of them, and we will continue by studying the tenth and final requirement. Although in reality there are a lot more of them, but these are sufficient to be able to test ourselves as to whether we belong to the Holy Convocation, giving us the unique ability to receive the Holy Spirit, not as an honored guest, but as the Lord and the Master of our life. So the first requirement, when serving each other with the gift you possess, not to think of yourself more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The second component of the requirement to honor the Holy Convocation is giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit is the condition that you love be, your love be without hypocrisy. The third is not lagging in diligent, being fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Fourth, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Fifth is distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Sixth is to bless those who persecute you, bless and not to curse them. Seventh is to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The eighth is be of one mind or be like-minded towards one another do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble do not be wise in your own opinion and ninth is not to repay no evil for evil having regard for good things in the sight of all men and if it is possible as much as it depends on you live, live peaceably with all men and tenth the next tenth component of the requirement to honor the Holy Convocation, giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and the Master of our life, not, is not avenging yourself, but rather give place to the wrath of God as it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The essence of the given requirement, making us a part of honoring the Holy Convocation and in this way giving the Holy Spirit the ability to be the Lord and the Master of our life, consists in the fact that by giving place to God's wrath, we are actually accepting the status of the primary or head judge in God. And in this way, we honor His order. We refuse to avenge for the hurt that has been inflicted upon us. We show our trust in God which gives God the right to fulfill his role, to pour out his wrath and his vengeance, and avenge us to recompense our loss in full. Psalm 22, 4, 5. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. And so to define and to develop the abilities linked to our trust in God, giving God the ability to reveal his wrath in his vengeance, to avenge us and to recompense our losses in full, we to confirm the truthfulness of our study, turn to one other prayer of David where he also testifies his trust before God, that as an argument and as evidence gave David the right to receive a response to his request in prayer that God protect him from his enemies. But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave this, my soul destute. Keep me from the snares they laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Psalm 141, 8, 9. And so, keep me from my enemies because I trust in you. From the phrase we just read, we see that firstly prayer that does not have the element of trust in God where we refuse to give the role a vengeance to God will turn our eyes elsewhere but not upon God. And so when we refuse to fulfill this 
role in allowing God to judge. We will turn our eyes somewhere else. When we have hope upon God and trust upon God, we will look upon Him. Because as it is, we direct our eyes only upon the things we trust. These are things that are protection from any enemy and any losses. Look at small children when they fall somewhere or they hurt themselves or someone uh, uh, argued with them or, or did or sister and sister fight. Where do they run? They run to the parent. They come, run to the parents and say, Mom, he did this, Daddy, he did this. Uh, and then the parents have to figure it out. They give their parents the right to judge between them, their argument or their... They hurt themselves, he's running immediately to mommy or daddy. You see what the holy people do, many of them, you'll find them in the cabinet of consultants or psychologists, they run there. They will, they will start drinking antidepressants, many turn to uh, the authorities uh, to, to uh, figure out brother between brother and I know personally people uh, that turn to criminal authority or those in authority regarding criminal things to figure things out. And so they go to those they trust in, those who are their authority. And so trust is the fruit that grows from the hope that we have that is supposed to be upon the tablets of our heart in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. We can rely and trust only upon the things we believe and what we trust upon. Because to trust means to rely upon something, to lean upon something, to look upon something, to build your building upon something. This is some kind of foundation that we need to have to be able to trust on something. And this something needs to be a foundation for us or a base for us contained of specific components. These components include hope and faith. Therefore, the phrase to trust God means to rely upon God, to lean upon the Word of God, to thank God, to look upon the Word of God, to show your faith and hope upon God, to build your building upon God, to make God your support and reinforcement, to make God your refuge, safe haven, and protection. Staying on subject, we decided to resurrect in our memory the essence of the co coming questions. Speaking of hope and trust upon God, we will be able to place each and all in their proper place. First, determine the genesis or root from which the virtue of trust upon God grows, to clarify the role and purpose that trust in God is called to fulfill in our life, to study the conditions necessary for obtaining and dressing into trust in God. And in a particular format, we have already studied the essence of the first three questions, therefore we will immediately turn to the, stu the studying of the fourth. What is the reward for obtaining and keeping in your life trust in God? And by this reward, we will be able, be able to determine that we have trust in God. Based upon scripture, trust in God will be rewarded with great reward, as it is written, Hebrews 10.35, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, Hebrews 10.35. 
To define the measurement of the great reward, it is necessary for us to give definition to the individual rewards contained in the great reward that only those holy people that keep their trust in God to the end can inherit. First, the reward, the first reward for possessing and keeping trust in God will be that God will forever make us his house. Hebrews 3.6, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. If you will keep your boldness and your confidence to the end, you hold fast. In this revelation, we can see a pattern that only a person that trusts in God and keeps his hope till the end can be established into a house of God. And this pattern is presented in a unity by which we are able to test ourselves as to whether we have the guarantee that God will forever make us his house. And this unity, trust that is consistent without boldness, is not able to be trust. Same with boldness, with the absence of trust, becomes audacity or temerity. If boldness and con confidence that we keep, keep, audacity is disregard or neglect of the ordinances and statutes of God, revealed in self-will which challenges the will of God. At the same time, boldness or holding fast is the lawful right and power to enter into the holy place into the presence of God with the anointing of a dedicated king and priests of God. Boldness is, in essence, is a manifestation of true trust in God, which reveals itself in courage, confidence, and revelation that is based upon the hope of our calling. Therefore, if we have not built ourselves into a spiritual house and a kingdom of priests and a holy nation from the materials that God has given to us in the preaching or the preached word of the kingdom of heaven in which we would be able to receive boldness to bring spiritual offerings that are pleasing and acceptable to God and Jesus Christ. This means the trust that we have the boast, the trust that we have and boast about will actually absolutely not be the trust that true boldness of God gives, dressing us with the right to enter into the, into the holy place with the virtues of a king and a priest, because based upon scripture, trust is the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, contained upon the tablets of our heart in the format of hope, specifically trust in your heart based upon the hope of our calling in the format of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh makes us a spiritual house. Second Samuel 5.11.12, this is a historical example. Then Haram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as a king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Second Samuel 5.11.12. We need to note that if a person born from God writes into his heart a corrupt or awry truth about the kingdom of heaven, then the temple of his body will more likely be a den of robbers instead of a house of God. If a person born from God attempts to write into his heart the teaching of Jesus Christ in an unlawful way or manner, this will be evaluated as audacity and will have the destiny of Uzzah. Second Samuel 6, 4-7, And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, 
which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all the kinds of instruments of the fir wood, harp, and, string, uh, and stringed instruments, on tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. And when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, the threshing floor is where God begins to weigh. When they came there, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. 2 Samuel 6, 4-7 In the given context, the word boldness in Hebrew means audacity, disobedience, and self-will. But for some reason, the translators translated this word audacity as boldness, but in the, in, the, in the original it was audacity and not boldness. When we are talking about the unity of boldness and trust that we have made the foundation of our study in Hebrews 3 through 6, but Christ as a son over his own house and whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. The word boldness in the given verse in Hebrew means courage, confidence, strong hope that is revealed in lawful right based on redemption. The same word is translated in, uh, differently and have different meanings. And understandably, to build of yourself a spiritual house and enter into the presence of God by the means of the unity of boldness and truth, it, truth, it is necessary to abide within Christ. 1 John 2, 20, 29, And now little children abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. This is 1 John 2, 28, 29. Abiding in him is abiding within the order of God and never doing what you're not asked to do or are not called to do. Many children of God do many things that God did not call them to do. They themselves wanted to and they see in themselves some kind of uh, gifts and strive to do something and they do it. Uzzah saw uh, that the oxen stumbled and thought, why can't I help? But the, the Lord became angry because Uzzah was not supposed to be touching the ark. The priests were supposed to be carrying it and supporting the ark. Oftentimes we do things that we are not called to do and this is dangerous. Second reward for possessing and keeping trust in God is delivering us from falling by the sword. Jeremiah 39:18. For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a prize to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. The Lord had promised Jeremiah, because you have put your trust in me, I will deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, and your soul shall be your prize. Today this sword are words of criticism and deceit that is directed to ruin the moral image of lawful authority, all sorts of false teachings dressed into garments of truth or liberal values of democratic or tolerance that are contrary to placed structures of God's theocracy, or false charismatic 
bacchanalia and all sorts of unhealthy and unsober acts, false miracles and false works. Look how many people today are killed by the sword because a word is a sword. It did not save them, it killed them. The third reward for possessing and keeping trust in God will be joy in your heart about salvation given to you by God. Psalm 13.5, but I have trusted in your mercy, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And so if you see that in this place of scripture, the reward for such trust upon God's mercy shall make and dress our heart with joy about salvation that cannot be dimmed or lessened, not by the organized attacks of hell or betrayal and unfaithfulness of our neighbor, nor sorrow and suffering for the truth or the delay of protection you are waiting for. And so if it is there, whatever may happen, this joy will not be able to be dimmed because this is an expression of love. Large waters will not be able to, to dim it. The absence of such all-devouring joy about salvation in the midst of all kinds of materialistic losses and all nature of sickness is the absence of trust upon the mercy of God. We more than once confirmed that in Scripture the key to entering the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven being the great Jerusalem in Jesus Christ are the pearly gates presenting the element of upright joy while suffering for the truth or continuing in trials with Christ. At the same time, for Christ, the key to entering into the temple of our spirit is the latch of the door, in the door of our spirit, that are of cedar, where we with joy present ourselves to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Songs of Solomon 8, 9, 10. If she is a wall, we will build upon her. This is talking about that sister who is not yet ready to be married. She is called, but she's not ready. If she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver. And if she is a door, we will encompass her with boards of cedar. And then the other says, I am a wall and my breast like towers. Then I became in his, as, in his eyes as one who found peace. Songs of Solomon 8, 9, 10. She says, you can build upon me this battlement of silver and overlay it with cedar. Because battlements of silver is a symbol of our salvation that is given to us in the format of a guarantee that we are called to invest so that we may be able to build our salvation in the tents of battlements from silver. And so these are people who have invested their silver and can build their salvation. Silver is a symbol of salvation. Now they can build their salvation, but people who will not invest their silver, we will not, they will not be able to build their salvation. It's not possible if she is not fully matured to build. A door overlaid with boards of cedar is a symbol of performing righteousness. By the righteousness we receive freely by grace, redemption in Jesus Christ. This is not just a symbol of righteousness, but when we perform this righteousness due to the righteousness we receive freely by grace. And we perform righteousness that we leave our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires is when we perform righteousness by the means of the cross of Christ, and then we suffer. 
And this suffering is a symbol that we would overlay it with cedar. Another, another place of scripture that it talks about the latch of the door. These cedar uh, boards are this latch of the door. Here we see it as cedar and the latch of the door. Fourth reward for possessing and keeping trust in God is us inheriting the promised land. Psalm 37, 9, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. From this written word, we can see that we can judge by the reward that we have trust because we have inherited the earth. A person that does not have hope in God is that one who does evil, and these kinds of people will self-destruct. When a person does not have hope, this is an evil person or trust in God. Why do they refuse to trust in God? They could have it, they hear it, they received Jesus Christ with everyone else, they made a covenant with God as everyone else in baptism of water, but when something happens with him, he runs to a psychologist, he runs to somebody else, to the authorities that deal with criminal things, to the other authorities. When I had to disqualify people due to sin, a couple of people uh, sued me, and they came to me and, and av ad he has an advocate and if you think that I unjustly disqualified you why not go to God and say Lord I was unjustly uh, disqualified from the church and why did you not come to God if I did this unjustly they went to sue me of course no uh, nothing happened because the constitution of our service says that I have the right in accordance to scripture for specific behavior to disqualify people. And so the advocate showed them you can't sue him. You, you did this? Yes, I did this. He disqualified you for this? Yes. In other gatherings they sue, but yes, they don't have this constitution there. And so when I created the constitution that we have, I knew what I needed to do because here, the American Christians have become used to any little thing, they are sued. As soon as a person didn't receive a specific position in the church, he thought he'd be a deacon, but he was placed to someone else, he sues because of, uh, of injustice, as they call it, and they sue for money. And, and as other churches, they obligated them, the pastor to place this person in the position they wanted and sued them for money also. But you need to have this in your constitution that you have the right to disqualify members if they will be uh, do, uh, committing certain behavior, certain uh, sins that uh, they don't want to repent for. The pastor has the right to place and remove to choose and place people as he finds needed, as one who is able and so forth. And so based upon scripture, I present everything uh, on, 
uh, I wrote this constitution that we have based upon scripture and not based on tolerance of others. And so such people will be self-destroy. At the same time, the man that trusts in God will inherit the earth that is in the inheritance, that is the inherit, inherit the earth which is the inheritance of Jesus Christ. The thing is that trust in God is seen as scripture of the righteousness of man where he performs the justice of God. Psalm 37, 21, 22. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. From this given place of scripture, we can see that trust in God, where a righteous man shows mercy and gives, is the result of righteousness that members a person to the category of people that are blessed by God. At the same time, the absence of trust in God, where the wicked borrows and does not repay, is the result of, un of uncleanness that members a person to the category of people that are cursed by God. If you take a loan and do not repay, you are an unclean person. I know people who always ask, knowing beforehand they will never repay it and don't even plan to pay it. They lie to people. And the scriptures call this act uh, uncleanness. You won't be an unclean person at first, but it will lead you there. Practically, we can inherit the land where milk and honey flow only by the means of confession of the word, with the, which is the faith of our heart that is based upon the trust you have in God. Psalm 25, 12, 13. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Trust in God where a person inherits the earth is the result of the fear of the Lord, identifying a wise heart of a man in the format of the Thummim, in into which God places his wisdom, that is, his Urim. Because of this union between the Urim and the Thummim, the soul of a man receives the ability to abide in the grace of God. And the words that a man confesses, which is the faith of his heart, gives man the ability to inherit the earth where milk and honey flow. Considering that trust in God is based upon the trust you have in God, the reward for having their heart in their heart such trust identifying truth within their heart, that is, the thummim. And so the hope that we have, the trust we have, is the thummim. We will then be given the earth that has mil that, that, that where this milk and honey flows, that is the urim. And so when the light and revelation will reveal what is in your heart, but the things you don't yet understand, this is the urim. This is when milk and honey will flow. When the earth will flow with milk and honey, that is when the Urim is present, when God begins to reveal in your heart the things you don't yet understand, but that you continue to keep there. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Exodus 31, 1 through 6, See, I have called the name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works to work in gold or silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting and carved wood and in work and all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed, I have appointed with him Ahiliab, the son of Ahazmech, from the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Bezalel, from the tribe of Judah, is a symbol of the Urim that reflects the Holy Spirit. That we, receive into, that we receive into our heart as the Lord and Master of our life. And this is as the example of 
uh, of Eleazar and Rebecca. <coughs> he will give gifts to all, but gifts don't identify that you're spiritual, but the one who receives him as Lord. Ahiliab from the son of da from the tribe of Dan is the symbol of the thummim that reflects the word of God written upon the tablets of our heart in the format of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. And so we have the word that we've received and put into our heart, but we don't yet understand it. We need the Urim to be able to reveal and, and explain it to us. Isaiah 57, 13, But he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Fifth reward for possessing and keeping trust in God is a full number of days lived. Psalm 55, 23, bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. From the red words, we can conclude that those who trust God will never die in half their days. The fullness of days is given by, by God to man so that he can know the Son of God, and by knowing him, he may grow into a perfect man, full measure of growth in Christ. We should note that you can live a couple hundred years and die living only half their, your days as Cain and his descendants. They lived 600, 700 years and maybe even more, Cain and his descendants. But they did not know the truth, and they left at half their days. But you can live a little over 30 years like John the Baptist and Christ and die in the fullness of your years, because the fullness of days is determined and measured not by a number of days, but the fulfillment of your purpose identified in your trust in God. Death in one in, in only half your days is identified as absence of trust in God. So however, however the bloodthirsty and deceitful men live, these are people who violate the boundaries of their neighbor and using his labor for his own personal gain or benefit. In other words, these are people who like to benefit from their neighbor. At the same time, people that trust upon God are people that never and under no circumstance will ever violate the boundary of their neighbor or use his labors for his own personal profit or gain that is we will never he will never be able be as one that seeks to profit or gain from his neighbor this person will actually find satisfaction from the ability to serve and to do good for his neighbor this is a symbol of wholeness, a fullness of years. The fullness of years is a reward that is identified as perfection that our Heavenly Father possesses and that is grown in our heart in trust upon God. Sixth reward for possessing and keeping trust in God is the ability to hear His loving kindness in the morning. Psalm 143.8, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Based upon the definitions of scripture, the renewing of the loving kindness of God for man is connected to the morning or early part of the day, because any morning is the beginning of a new day, which we see as renewance that is given by the life of, life of God that is contained in the truth that is in the teaching of resurrection. The renewing of the mercy of God in the format of a new day can serve as a reward only for those that trust in God. 
In the given phrase of prayer, as well as other prayers of David and other biblical persons, such words as early or morning are often not in the literal meaning of morning, but are more metaphors that are used as examples, as for example in Hebrew, the word early morning in this prayer means morning, sunrise, dawn, renewance, resurrection, revelation of life, the light of life. And the word early morning, and another place in Hebrew also means promise, agreement, agreement, covenant, a testament, testament, a will, distribution of possession after death, instructions or will given to descendants or heirs. Linked with this kind of definition that identifies the relationship of man with God upon the level of the Urim and the Thummim, the phrase, give me the ability to hear loving kindness early for I trust in you, could mean, reveal to me your Urim because I trust upon your Thummim that is contained in my heart. Reveal to me your revelation for I trust in your word that I have written in my heart. And Mary kept all these words in her heart, although she didn't understand them. In other words, speaking, when David prayed, give me the ability to hear loving kindness early because I trust in you, so that God would be able to show his loving kindness to him early in the morning, as of Urim, David presented to him evidence of his thummim, that is his trust in God. To be able to test ourselves whether we have this trust, it is necessary to understand that the uh, trust that gives God the ability to renew for, uh, for our lives life that is with his light he forgives all your iniquities who heals all your dis diseases who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good, with good things so that your path so your youth is renewed like the eagles Psalm 103, 3-4 it's talking about the renewance of our life so that God would be able to give us the ability to hear to renew for us our life early in the morning. Do not, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in, in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave for, or free, nor, but Christ is all in all. Colossians 3, 9-11 if we wake up in the morning and can continue to do specific things, that doesn't mean that God had renewed in this morning his mercy for us. Because many unclean and lawless people, just the same way, wake up in the morning, although they have no part to the mercy of God or the life of God. But the opposite are kept by God for his day of destruction. Those who trust in God are people that are within the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven. These are the gathering of the saints that are within the order of God and members of his body. These boundaries is where God renews his mercy. And so the reward for being able to hear the love and kindness of God early in the morning is given to the category of people that can show evidence of their trust in God. 
This I recall in my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentation 3.21-23. through 23. Considering that our time is up, right now we will pray and all those who desire to confront their flesh that refuses to trust in God. Because to trust in God, only your heart, your spirit can trust in God. Don't pay attention to the things you see. Look at the unseen things. Believe in God and don't turn your face from Him. And then sooner or later, that time that He finds need, of course, you will see your healing. You will see the response of God to your needs because you will have a strong con a confidence, a, a trust that what God has promised He is able to fulfill and will fulfill for your life and you will not die until God will fulfill it. And even if you do, dying, the devil say, that's it, you're dying, then know that you will resurrect to receive Paul to be able to receive the mercy of God. He had strong trust and he that when death came, he died, but he knew that God would fulfill what he promised and he would resurrect. Paul died three times, and he resurrected three times. He was stoned, he was cast into the sea, he was dead, but when God would re resurrect him, he resurrected him because he did not fully complete his purpose and God did not fulfill for him the promise he had for him. He said, Lord, you placed your promise into me. I received it. I, I trust in it. And God brought this man through great trials and he died three different times but he knew he would receive the promise of God. And from death, he brought him back to life so that he made sure to do it and complete it. So let not death or any verdicts of the, of the, of the doctors, what God has promised, he will fulfill. Let us pray. Amen. We wait here for you at the altar. God is in this place to support you, to support your trust in him. And I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He is for you. He is not against you. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. A sign that you're ready to receive from God what he wants to give you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my sin, with my sickness, with my shame, with my suffering, I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, protect me, remove my shame. I believe in your words. I open up my heart. I receive and accept your promises that you want to heal me, 
and that my healing is already given. It is in Jesus Christ, and I thank you for my healing. I thank you that you deliver me from the dependence of drugs, alcohol, and other destruction. I thank you that you deliver me from the dependences of fear and economical fear. You will be able to support me in any crisis. I am your son. I am your daughter. I accept you. You can provide for me. I trust you. May this trust continue. I have received it now and forever. And now before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am provided for, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with a shining face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all these blessings be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. I will ask everyone to stand and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.